hashtag Tim and Sid. Of course, I go by the name of the kid. Famous. Wow. This here is the Tim and Sid Show. You are now tuned in. Coast to coast. Entertaining the masses. Sports entertainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back. Enjoy the show. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Sid for Tuesday, November 10th. I'm Sid McAuliffe. He's Sid Sixero. We are live on television and radio. And Sid, things are seemingly beginning to pick up. Mm-hmm. Let's start with our guest list, my friend. Let's do it. How about international recording superstar, diehard Canucks fan, and the pride of Burnaby, Michael Buble is on the show, Michael and the Buble. TV people already knew it was Michael Buble because the board came up to show the TV people. That's right, Buble. What I love about the board, for those listening, that we just flashed, Buble's third on the board. There is a hierarchy on our boards, right? It's like Anthony Stewart, Battle of the Blaze, boom, top of the board. Robbie Ray, Jay's pitcher for another year at $8 million. Second, one day, Michael Buble will make the top of our guest list board, Tim. We're that kind of show. We are that kind of show, Tim. Milk One day he'll chilling. get there. What more Keep can working, I say? Kid. Keep working, kid. Top Milk villain. <laughs> top villain. Very good. What the hell is he doing on our show? Well, as I said, he's a huge Canucks fan. So maybe maybe we can make, you know, I don't know, the, the one of the biggest selling artists in the world, our Canucks insider. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk hockey with Michael Buble. We'll also talk hockey with Anthony. As you mentioned, listen. Top after billing. That after Top that, billing for Anthony yes. Stewart on the board. Top billing. Yes. yes. Milk is chilling. <laughs> what more can I say? He gets top billing. That Battle of the Blades appearance. I don't know why it was so short. We'll ask him why the hell it was so short. But that is, that is. Whole thing, whole him, thing was rigged. That's why. Uh, uh, whole thing was put rigged. Put him in and around the area of Buble, who, I don't know, he's hosted SNL three times or something like that. I don't know. Been a musical guest three times, I think. Yeah, he was, he was, he was uh, the Jimmy Fallon one with him back in 2011, like about the time the Christmas album came out, one of the biggest albums of all time that Buble did. That was one of my all-time favorite episodes of, of Saturday Night Live. But, uh, yeah, basically Anthony Stewart after Battle of the Blades and Buble, I'd put them close to the same level, Timmy, close to the same level. Also Buble's talk- not as good as Anthony on, on Twitter. So there's one. What thing. is what is Anthony? Okay, I want to have this brief conversation with you. So f- is it face swapping? Is that the, is that what you do on Twitter, where you take yeah. someone's face and you put it on? Yeah. I don't like it. Okay, <laughs> and Anthony Stewart has mastered it to the point where he's he put me on like a sting video, uh, illegal alien, I believe was the track the, on Saturday night. I'm watching college football, and he goes, "Here's your double overtime enjoyment." It was bizarre. It's bizarre. I, I have many questions for Anthony Stewart. Return to play for hockey, yeah. Battle of the Blades, and mm-hmm. please stop face swapping. Tell me you're not comfortable with this, McAuliffe. Tell me you, you, you have the same issues that I have, because I have many. No. No, I've laughed several times when I saw it. And mine I'm not saying it's him, not funny. I'm not saying and my, it's not and funny. And he's done it with me, too, and it looks really creepy. Like, really, <laughs> really creepy. I hadn't seen this one. <laughs> I hadn't seen that one before. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uncanny, the resemblance to him. So we had a lot to talk about with Anthony Stewart. That's coming up. Return so to play. Buble's never hosted. He's just been the entertainment Technically the guest. musical guest. He's never yes. done the... No, they have he's, him he's in done sketches. sketches. He's never done the Absolutely. Drake Absolutely. double. Absolutely. He should. Maybe we'll talk to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's got those chops, if you know what I'm talking about. What can't he do? Chops. What can't he do? He's got his own fragrance. Charming man. 
Very charming man. So we'll talk to, and as is Anthony Stewart. We'll talk to Anthony course, Stewart yeah. and Michael Bublé a little later on. Uh, return to play, Tim. NHL Board of Governors have a call Thursday. Uh, Gary Benton was on uh, was on, on a virtual summit today and basically laid out what they're thinking, yeah. which is interesting. We'll get to that in a second because we might have some hard news this week from the National Hockey League. Also, Robbie Ray, who just signed a one-year contract with the Toronto Blue Jays, will be on the show in the second hour. Uh, we'll ask him why Toronto, why for another year, what, where does he think he'll be playing baseball to start next season? Because he may have heard something. You never know. And what's it like playing for Charlie Montoyo, who is up for American League Manager of the Year? We'll find out whether or not it's him or Kevin Cash between now and the end of the show. So we'll have that piece of information for you. All that more coming up on this edition, a busy edition of Tim and Sid. But Tim, uh, the NBA is coming back, that we can say. And we now officially have some dates to look forward to, which is tasty. It's interesting that you wanted to start here, so I'm, I'm curious of your take. The NBA and the Players Association reached uh, an agreement last night. December 22nd is that start date, as well as an amended collective bargaining agreement. Are you, are you surprised that we got this and that the players signed off on it? Is that why you want to talk about it so early? No, no, I'm not surprised at all. I just think it's significant with when there's when there's a schedule to talk about, when there's things happening that you can actually point to and there's no way all the players are on board with this. There's absolutely no way. No. But there's a big difference financially between 50 games and 72 games if you're a player in the NBA, unless your name's LeBron and, and a handful of other guys. So the fact that they've actually figured the CBA out, ratified it, gotten the salary cap in order, figured all that out, I didn't think any of this would happen that quickly. It's similar to when the NHL figured it out before their return to play, Timmy, in terms right. of the new CBA for the next three. I'm stunned. I thought this would be a way more contentious discussion i thought there'd be a lot more time between the end of the bubble and getting these dates figured out but if the networks want their their ring ceremony and their christmas day schedule the networks get their ring ceremony and christmas day schedule they got it um i, I the quality the quality of the basketball team probably isn't going to be as good let's be honest that bubble took a lot out of guys a lot more than we know um but i, th I think the fact is both the nhl and the nba they got to get back on schedule here it's not going to be pretty it's not going to look good. they got to get back on schedule, regardless of how soon after that bumble, bubble. I, I sympathize with LeBron. LeBron clearly isn't happy about it, and, and I understand it. But I'm very impressed that the agreement was reached. I think it's, like, it's look, you're not, you're not debating whether this is significant news. It is significant news. I didn't think we'd get it this soon. I thought late January, Martin Luther King Day, the 18th of January, like something week, like that. Though. No, I know, I know. But, like, I'm talking about, like, three weeks ago when we were, things were more up in the air. I did not think this would happen. I, I, was, not, I was not confident we'd get to this point. We have, as a selfish sports fan, let's go. What does this mean for the Raptors? I have no idea. <laughs> what does this mean for Fred Van Vliet? I have no idea. We're about to find out. Draft is next Wednesday. Free agency starts a week from Friday, technically. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm, I'm impressed that they got to this point. I didn't think they did. Or I think I didn't think they would, but they got to this point. For those who don't it. know, uh, 71 days from the end of the NBA Finals to the start of training camp is the shortest offseason ever for the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, or the NFL. And a lot of people were wondering if the NBA's start date would put pressure on the NHL. It's a conversation that we've had a couple of times over the last little while. And... The NHL seems to be sticking to a January 1st start date. The Board of Governors call, as you mentioned, scheduled for Thursday. But Gary Bettman speaking today 
kind of let a few cats out of a few different bags, Sydney. Uh, he was talking about how they were going to move forward with this season, and he kind of told people that they're looking at regional bubbles per se or bubble 2.0 or bubble 2 electric boogaloo where you go into a city, you play a couple of different games, I'm assuming with a couple of different teams, without traveling, and they're able to maybe even put some fans into those stands. They're not sure about that yet, but get Bettman is kind of laying out what we're about to see here and it seems like they're still trying to figure things out, which is obvious because they have more Canadian teams than the NBA does. And that's a huge difference between the two. I mean, Bettman's not dumb. He's, he floated a lot of stuff today because the deal with the players hasn't been figured out either. So right. owners have to figure it out. The players have to figure it out. Gary Bettman's no fool. Gary Bettman went on that virtual summit today, and he's floating things. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't hear a lot today in that article that didn't make sense to me. Like, it sounds like a Canadian division is going to happen. It sounds like other bubbles around America are going to happen. Two weeks in the bubble, one week back with your family, get that cycle going and see where the world is in February or whatever. And maybe you're going to have fans in the stands. Maybe the Canadian border's in a different situation. There's, there's a lot that's going to change. It's, it's the type of idea that does allow for that kind of flexibility, Tim. And it's the type of idea that I think makes the most sense. Because go, I mean, going back to the NBA discussion we just had, what scares me the most? What scares you the most? What's the obvious thing? College football is about, it could be torn, brought down to its knees here in the next seven days because no one's being smart with COVID. It nearly destroyed the baseball season. NFL, they're just choosing to ignore it. Ben Roethlisberger's on a COVID list today. It doesn't, nobody flinches. The, the, the NBA going from city to city to city, highly, highly dangerous. If you have these quasi-bubbles, it's not foolproof. It's not what the NHL did in Toronto. It's not what the NHL did in Edmonton. We can all agree on that. But it's way more secure if this is what comes to pass Thursday of this week or a little later. Way more secure than anything baseball's done or the NBA is going to do soon or the NFL's doing or college football. The NHL, of all the leagues, Tim, I think I've led on this unlike any other. Unlike any other, because the NBA is about to dip their toe in a dangerous water. Well, and the NHL is the... going, look, we'll, 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 we'll keep the bubble idea for now. We'll expand it, but we're gonna, still going to keep the bubble idea, is what they're saying. Well, we'll see how it works out. I mean, as if the United States is going to continue to treat this as if they're just waiting for the vaccine to kick in as a country, whatever you do is going to be doomed. Like, yeah. we're seeing that in college football. And for those who don't know the story right now, three SEC games have been postponed for this week. Three different games have been postponed because there's no way to keep it out. Now, are they being a little more loosey-goosey than, say, the, the NBA <laughs> will be or the NHL will be? How do, you don't know that, Sid. Like, you have no – it's just that they're living in a world where everyone walking around has COVID. How Over many... 100,000 cases a day down south. That's right. the world. That's the That's all I'm saying. That's the world. Never like I'm not talking, and I'm not even talking about how Notre Dame fans rushed the rushed the field to give their whole team the Rona for the next two weeks. Like never mind that Saturday night. Okay, easy, that's, that's easy, not that's that, not what it's that's not what the NBA is trying to do. It's ridiculous that they they rushed the field, but you also thought that Justin Turner was an idiot and he didn't pass it on to anybody. Yep. Apparently, apparently now they have five tests and they have no idea where they came from apparently 
with well, the Dodgers. Well, people in the organization got it. I don't know if they got it from Justin Turner, but they got it. Like 10 Well, people if you read the it. story, they said they weren't sure whether or not they had any contact with Justin Turner, which no, is an but, amazing but, but, story. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, Justin Turner, I don't know, but we so, do have 10 people in the organization with the Rams. I'm not going to paint everyone with the same brush in the NCAA, but I do know that I can paint the United States with a brush that has 100,000. Mm-hmm. They went from... From they're counting millions of cases in the United States. Like that's where we're at right now, right? Over ten million, correct. They're counting just millions. recently eclipsed ten million, yeah. They went from nine million to ten million faster than they had gone from any other million to another million. So the last million cases in the US was counted quicker than any other million in the United States of America. So yeah. if you're operating anything Right now, in the U.S., I guarantee you, you are going to hit this. And even if you're trying to do mini bubbles, unless you're actually making it the bubble, as we found out with Justin Turner getting it, unless it's actually a bubble, it will be penetrated. That's all I'm trying to say. And I, I completely agree with you. And when you consider how small the rosters are in this league that we're talking about, the NBA, like it, it won't take a lot to postpone games here at all. So and, something else to And think the integrity, about. like we've talked about in the NFL, like you lose your star player in the NBA or two guys or three guys, it's done. The integrity's done. So you, even if you tried to play without those guys, you're either postponing or killing the integrity of the game. Right. So you just have them play the Sunday and then say tested positive on the Monday. You just do it that way. So you don't have to miss games. Because that's what we're reading in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll have more on this coming up, the NHL angle specifically with, uh, with Anthony Stewart. What's that, Timmy? Sorry, I, ju- I jumped on you there. Fun while. <laughs> fun while. Uh, let's go to baseball. As oh, mentioned. Fun. Wow. You don't remember this commercial back in the day? Fun wow is what I said. Fun wow. Grand Island, New York. I think it was Grand Island, New York. <laughs> Either somebody way, had t- fun wild. Somebody had Tim and Sid back up. I am not the judge of anything. There's a lot that goes over my head. Somebody had Tim and Sid back McAuliffe up on the reference. Forgive me, Tim. It went over my head. But okay, I'm, now sure, power I'm, on. Sure, I'm sure someone enjoyed it. As mentioned, Robbie Ray will be joining us a little later on, fresh off signing a one-year, $8 million deal with the Jays. Ray met with the media earlier today. He said the uncertainty over where the Jays will play next season didn't play a factor in his decision to resign and was asked what he would say to other free agents who were concerned about that very issue. Roland. I would say that uh, don't be concerned about where we play. Just be concerned about the guys in the clubhouse, the the staff that we have, the, the coaching staff, the training staff. They're all top-notch. I think that's the biggest thing is just understanding um, that this team – is going to win. This team is really good. Uh, and, and focus on that more than where we're going to be. Again, that was Robbie yeah, that Ray was Rob- just a short time ago. Tim, do you like the deal for the Jays? Yay, nay? Sorry? Do you like the deal for the Jays? <laughs> Yay, nay? Right. Um, yeah, of course I do. It's a one-year, $8 million deal for Robbie Ray, who seemed to have found something. It's a bet-on-each-other deal. It is Robbie Ray betting on himself, obviously. And at $8 million, that's nothing to sneeze at. Like for a guy who uh, struggled with his control 
in Arizona, if you look at the market and you look around at the market, I mean, one NL executive said $8 million a year for this guy. That That's really interesting. That's going to do a lot to the market. I mean, we'll ask him a little bit more later on. But Bob Elliott said, I don't know if you heard this, Bob Elliott tweeted that he's hearing the Jays are interested in free agent shortstop Anderson Simmons. Uh, why do we keep hearing rumors about the Jays and shortstops? Uh, I'm not sure, Tim. I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, don't, I don't not like the shortstops being linked to the Jays. That I can tell you. Anderson Simmons defensively did not have a good year with the Angels. That aside is a phenomenal defensive player. So hopefully last year was a one-off. And Francisco Lindor is Francisco Lindor. We've talked about him enough. We know the resume. He's 26. But the, the notion that they're going to pick up a shortstop and still keep Bo Bichette and just move either Bichette and another shortstop. Let's just talk about the three guys in question here. Bo Bichette has not played another position in the majors aside from shortstop. Mm-hmm. He's DH'd, but he's never, he's never been anywhere else in the field. Do you know how many other games in the field Francisco Lindor has played outside of shortstop? Zero. Outside of shortstop, yeah. Zero. He's a shortstop. Anderson Simmons. You know how many many games he's played not at shortstop? Zero. He's a shortstop. So the chatter that I'm I'm seeing a little bit, and I, I understand to a certain extent, but when you actually look at the history. Another brain fart. Sorry. That's actually not a brain fart. It's a, a television fart for Sid Sixero. But we got him back. Keep going. I got God bless. Sorry about that, Tim. Shortstop. Um, Keep going. Shortstop. There's, there, there's no evidence that any of these guys play other positions. Zero. Absolutely none. There's no Kevin Biggio in the group. So I just, I, I, I just want the conversation and the point to end online. I've seen a little bit. Well, you can pick up another. You can, you can move Bo. You can move Lindor. You can move. It doesn't make any sense. There's, there's no historical precedent for it, for either of those three very good baseball players. So if, if the Jays are going to add another guy, I, I just don't think it's an automatic. You plug him in a different spot, and he's the same player. Because sometimes in sports, that doesn't work out. It's not, it, that's not effective. Sometimes it is. Not always. Especially when we're talking about elite guys. So just that's the part of that so that doesn't make any sense. you don't think there's a chance that Bo Bichette could play second base for the Jays? Is that what you're saying? No, there's, listen, if they acquire one of these other guys and want to move him, they can do whatever they want with him. Of course there's a chance. What I'm saying is the, the thought that automatically that transition happens is a, is a little premature for me, a little bit. And I think you got to be careful with certain guys. That's all I'm saying. That's a lot of shortstops to be linked with. I really don't know why they're linked with so many shortstops. I have run no prevention. idea. Run prevention, run prevention, run prevention. They just weren't good enough. They need guys who catch the ball. That's why they're also right. being linked to short uh, center fielders, right? But these guys, need- but these guys have, have run prevention at one position. There is no evidence they have run prevention at other positions, is my point. So well, you're they're, right. They're, they, not they need, they, it, they're not being moved. They're not being moved. What I hope is happening here is it doesn't upset Bo Bichette. To me... That's the question here. Is, is, is the flirtation, all of this flirtation, with Simmons, with Lindor, and listen, we heard it from Atkins himself speaking about this. Yeah. Is it okay with Bo? Is he cool to the open relationship that it seems like the Jays are pursuing with Bo Bichette, shortstops, and others? And there are, I mean, we can go through a list of players in Major League Baseball who have made moves 
And when you are good at one position in the infield, it would suggest that you might be able to be good at, especially shortstops. Like every player growing up, you realize this, right? Like every good infielder played shortstop as a kid, and then they go to third base when they're not as good as the other guy who is really good at shortstop. Like every kid playing yeah. playing high level high school or you know in the Buscaones in in the Dominican, they're all shortstops, and then they get switched to hey, Alex, Rodri- Alex Rodriguez. Uh, the Yankees pick up Alex Rodriguez. Where did he go? Not shortstop. They had a shortstop. It happens. Now, that's a high, high level of that, <laughs> granted. But you're right. That's the goal. They all, they all want to play that position. They, the fact they're shortstop in the major league would suggest they could play other positions as well, hopefully with very little transition. I'm just saying, I, with these three specifically, they've never played another position at this level. Right. So I'm just not sure what that transition looks like. I don't think it affects the bat. Hopefully it wouldn't, but... We'll see. Well, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Yeah, uh, AL Manager does. of the Year, coming your way, 648 Eastern Time. AL Manager of the Year announcement, Charlie Montoya, Kevin Cash. Like, how does Renteria, like, if you're Renteria, how do you, how do you feel in this moment? Well, you feel like I, I lost my job to an alcoholic. Like, the Tony La Russa story today is right now r- r- running pretty significantly. And... Right before they hired him, he, he got hit with a DUI in Arizona. And right now, the White Sox don't look very good. I think it would look great on Rick, on Rick Renteria to win that tonight. <laughs> well, he won't because it's either he Kevin won't. Cash or Charlie Montoya. He won't. But um, I think I think uh, you know there's there's some people in the White Sox saying you know we really we really bounced Rick Renteria for this really. <laughs> Rick Renteria had a great year. You know, listen, it, yeah, we, we have. I mean, Dwayne Casey in Toronto. You win, you get fired. You win Coach of the Year. You move on to other things. It happens. It happens. But uh, I think, considering what the White Sox look like right now, Timmy Rick Renteria feels pretty good about himself. I would be pissed if I'm Rick Renteria. Oh, he's a little pissed too. No question about I'm, it. No question I'm, about it. I'm nominated right. for Manager of the Year. You replaced me with a 76 year old who just got hit with his second DUI, and I'm up for Manager. Have I mentioned that I'm up for Manager of the Year? which promises you absolutely nothing this day and age. No, However, no. Uh, maybe we'll walk down the road of Tony La Russa a little later on because we've run out of time. The guest list is so nice. Robbie Ray and Michael Buble. We should sing it because it's so nice. Robbie Ray and Michael Buble. That's right. The recording artist, Michael Buble, is going to join us a little later on. But coming up next, he's almost as big as Buble. His Battle of the Blades <laughs> appearance, Anthony Stewart, has put him on a level. His Twitter acumen has put him on a level. We'll discuss all of that and how the NHL plans to tackle next season. Next, right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. couple of quick tweets. MT writes in and says, we need to look in our own backyard when talking about Verona. Getting out of control here again in Canada, how could we have sports? People need to listen. So it's not just the United States, though the United States has some ridiculous numbers right now. And no matter what you believe it is, you can't play sports with it. Uh, Damn right, Timmy. But the NHL does have a history in this country, and they can point to it, and I'm sure they are of figuring out a plan 
where governments are respected and their wishes are respected locally, provincially, federally, and still play hockey. That's a hell of a president to have. Like it's not. It's the Raptors but have a you, much, you, much tougher thing, a tougher road to hoe here, trying to convince the government to fly teams back and forth right now. I don't. Do see you think that the happening. NHL would have got to go ahead if there were a thousand cases a day in the two provinces that they went to? If uh, oh, if now was like the summer, is that what you're saying? Uh yeah, it would have been. It would have been more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. We are learning a lot would've, more. Would have been more difficult as well. That's a but part still of the though, in the moment we're in. Look, politicians are also politicians, right? You know, they got to, if they're taking heat, they have to point to something and say, look, here's what I'm doing. We're trying to do it. We're trying to make it better. Here's here's, here's how we're handling it. And maybe the NHL would get caught up in that. You never know. It it certainly was not the same situation today as it was back in late July and August when they got going. No question about it. Uh, Chad writes in and says, Fantasy Island in New York was fun. Wow. There you go. See? <laughs> there you Daniel go. Daniel Ruiz writes in and says, good thing Donovan Bennett isn't on the show to display his singing skills when Michael Buble comes on. <laughs> Donovan Bennett's the worst singer I've ever heard in my life who thinks he's good. It's pathetic. I don't, it's pathetic. I don't even know if he thinks he's good, but whatever. That's a story for another well, day. It's, it's a topic for another day. Uh, momentarily, uh, the topic for this segment will be Anthony Stewart of Hockey Central. And he'll join us in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about what Gary Bettman said today. We're going to talk about... Uh, the NHL coming back potentially, but, but we, we, we got to lead off here with his performance in Battle of the Blades. I think he and Violetta, first, I'm on a first name basis with Violetta, Tim. Because he and Violetta. That's last name, yeah. No, are you kidding? A fan of Sieva. I'm not scared. Are you kidding me? I, I follow tennis. I <laughs> could deal right. with this. Um, Stewie and Violetta were fantastic, and they should have stayed longer. And if you don't believe me, here's the proof. They were great. Skating first, they are a pair of corpses looking to come back to life in the competition. Here are Violetta Afanasieva and Anthony Stewart. Five point four. Elage. Five point four. Scott. Five point five. Good scores. Violetta Afanasieva. Unfortunately for Violetta and Anthony Stewart, that was the what end the of the hell, road. Man. But I thought they were robbed. Anthony Stewart joining us now. Stewie, look, I know they got a great crew there and Ron's on and everything, but if you want to vent about the show, you go ahead. If you want to just cuss him out, you go yeah, ahead. I didn't, I didn't know we were in Russia and we had the Russian judges for that performance. And I'm like, <laughs> what else do I got to do? I got, I got my partner literally upside down above my head. I'm, I'm doing all these lifts. Like, come on, guys, give me a break. And I'm a CBC employee, so throw me a bone here. But uh, it was great. No, it was a great experience. I had I had an amazing time. But what was, what was the, the most incredible thing was every single day you get better. Brian Bickle literally fell on his face and almost like, you know, had to pull out of the competition on day one of training because that's how hard you toe pick to day one. So every single day you get better and better, which was incredible for me now because I feel like now I can play the guitar or drums from scratch or, or learn <laughs> Russian because what I learned in that month was definitely great. All right, how tough is the toe? Like I keep hearing this toe pick and like for a guy who grew up playing hockey, how hard was it to get used to? 
Well, as a hockey player, they're like, you got to be on your toes, on your toes. But here, if you're on the front third of your foot, you're falling on your teeth. So uh, somehow your body just adjusts every single day that you're out there working on your edges. You just adjust. But um, I'm like, you want me to do what when I'm going to be toe picking probably in 12 seconds here? And there's a couple <laughs> days where I fell hard, like into the boards, knee done, elbow done. And I was ready like to quit on the spot. But uh, it, it's a great team. Uh, the partners were great. The coaches and choreographers were great. And uh, I'm not sure who's going to win. I have my money right now on, on Wojtek Wolski. He's doing. He's going all in. He's dressing up as a wolf. He's doing pirouettes. I, you know, he's throwing his partner everywhere. So he's he's the favorite for me. How how many times did you almost drop her? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly going into the first performance I was like debating like if I'm gonna get a cortisone shot or not like my shoulder was so done and I'm like dude I never got a cortisone shot as a player how am I gonna now do this for a figure skating competition so I literally had to go on the table to my uh my, my special masseuse and he actually like he worked on my shoulder for an hour and I thought I was gonna have to pull out so I'm like you know what I might just have to drop her on purpose to get out of this competition that's how bad my shoulder was but uh, great team of therapists, great team, and I uh, was able to make it to week uh, week two, which was all right. All right, we might get to this hockey stuff, but the app you have on your phone to put your face on dudes is scary. <laughs> stop stop like, it, what, man. What are, what are, what are you, you doing, doing? this deep face stop stuff? Stop it. Like, I went to Pacific Mall, and I got an upgrade on this BlackBerry here, and you should see what I have. I have, I have about 20... I have like 46 Tim and Sid uh, oh, nice. gifts ready to go. Um, so w w when the time is appropriate, you'll slowly but surely see them coming every uh, once a night. I'll throw one out. So you're I, saying I, Canada should be ready because because Anthony Stewart got himself a BlackBerry Z10 and he is ready to rock <laughs> and roll. Mall. No, 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 no. Pearl. I got the Pearl. I got the Pearl. Don't get it. You right. can't do that on the Pearl. I remember the Pearl. You know you can't do that on the Pearl. It's one of the best phone. BlackBerry Bowl, best phone I ever had in my life, by the way. It's if funny. In junior, in junior, they gave us uh, free phones, and they were Blackberries. And uh, it was funny. They they ended up cutting it off because all the Russian guys and all the European players would be calling back home, so the phone bills were like $6,000, $9,000. Guys, I was selling. I was selling. Hey, I'll give you I'll give you 15 minutes. Give me 20 bucks. I'll let you call back to check. <laughs> Uh, the deep fake that you use for me—Are you a Key and Peel Key and Peel fan in English? Did, did you ever am, watch Key and Peel? I do. I do. You know this is the substitute teacher. If you look <laughs> at the one that you did with me and you, it is A. A. Ron. That is that's A. A. Ron. Looks, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! It looks the same. It's A. A. Ron here. A. A. Ron. Don't give me that look. <laughs> Timmy, was that the substitute? Was that the substitute teacher that said, "I don't play" and turned around yes. and broke wind? Was that the yeah, one? Yeah. But I got to be careful now so because, good. well, you know what? I so complete good. my, uh, you know, because technically it's not going into whiteface because I am half white, so I don't know if I can get in trouble for uh, if I if I pose as oh, a white deep. person. I don't know, but that's a conversation for later, I guess, guys. I think it is. Yes. <laughs> the deep, the deep face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, um, all right, let's get in trouble on deep fakes. <laughs> yes. I say no. I say no. You need okay. like you need two hours uncut, and like you <laughs> listen, you you and Merrick and, and Berkey and everyone, you did you know an amazing job the last eight months. You 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 need a, you need to broaden your horizons. There's a lot going on upstairs. Some of it horrific, some of it amazing. <laughs> the Anthony Stewart podcast. I see the future. All right, uh, let's look into the future of the NHL here, Anthony, because Gary Bettman uh, on a on a virtual online summit today was very chatty about what the return to play is going to look like. Historically, we all know Gary a little bit here. 
If he's that chatty, he feels comfortable in the idea. Board of Governors call Thursday. We might find out some more stuff then. What do you make of the two-week hub, one-week go-back-home, Canadian division, some other realignment? Like what We've been hearing it for a while. Like, Did you think that makes the most sense? And will the players, more importantly, will the players kind of go for something like that as a hybrid? Yeah, but the I think the issue is now that things just rapidly change. I think it was last week that we were talking about a Canadian hub where there's all the Canadian teams will be playing against each other. But, you know, things change now. There, there, there's information that there might only be a 48-hour quarantine crossing the border now that uh, the election is over. But I think the real factor was that they sort of had to speed up the process because they can't sit back and wait six weeks while the NBA is up and running. The NBA is going to be starting right before Christmas. They're going to be going through Christmas Day. NHL, I don't think they can afford afford financially to sort of wait till February or second week of February. So they're going to try to get as close to that January 1st uh, uh, start date as possible. So, you know, I really feel for the players right now because they're training, uh, you know, trying to get ready, not knowing exactly when the season is. And when trainers, when NHL players train, they do it in phases. So they don't know if they're in phase two, phase three, phase four, what phase they are. So uh, I could see it really being a little sloppy for the first six weeks of the season. But I think the main thing is we will have hockey and, and that's the main thing too so some sort of hockey is great for me do you do you think that the players understand like a lot of this and in, in the nba was an acknowledgement that the business and the economic times are way different than they were two years ago and i know that that berkey has kind of been banging on this drum but do you think the players understand how dire it is that they get games in and make sure that we try and salvage some sort of money here because it seems that dire right now yeah and Berkey and I went against this thing you know he said there's going to be a 30% escrow you know 40% 50% they're going to be losing on their money and I said there's no way Berkey the players won't go for that but I think the reality of the situation is the league has lost a lot of money and with the 50-50 revenue split that uh, you know both sides got to take that hit so I think the NHL is short term going to take it but long term these players have to, you know, absorb some of those costs. So I hate to say it, I'll concede uh, to Berkey, who's on vacation right now, enjoying a nice two-week uh, layaway here. But uh, that's the business of it. And um, you know, going into the bubble and playing in the bubble, some players are saying, "Well, I don't like doing that." Just think of the guys now, you know, that are in Europe, that are in Russia, that have to go away from their families for eight, nine, ten months. I was sitting in Russia. Uh, you know, at, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a hotel for, you know, five, six months by myself, you know, watching uh, Handsmaid Tale for, you know, season one, two. Good and show, three, though. Good show. So, uh, you know, it, it's give and take. But I think now the players now are sort of coming back down to earth, realizing like, hey, there's, you know, this is going to be the reality. You're not going to be getting all your money. So, uh, you know, I really, really feel for the bottom end guys and the mid tier guys because the big guys are, are getting their signing bonuses. But again, you got to play. You got to get the market back up and then you know two three four years down the line hopefully back to normal anthony stewart here on tim and said the current free agents certainly are getting a taste of what that reality that is sucks yeah and there's enough of them out there Stu, who's the one guy still out there that you just say to yourself my god someone's gonna get a deal here a real deal uh i'm thinking about mike hoffman like this guy scores 30 goals and people are saying ah well a lot of them are or, you know, from the flank on the power play. But at the end of the day, 30 goals is 30 goals. And he, he's one of those guys that's proven it. He's done it for numerous years. He didn't get lucky a couple of years and just get lucky and, and put on a, a top line. He's a guy he can move up and down the lineup and score 30 goals. And, and what's more surprising about this, there's 
seven, eight, nine, ten teams that need goal scoring. So, uh, you know, he's probably driving a, a high price right now, but he's earned it. He's earned it over the years just by his production and what he's done, uh, you know, over the last couple seasons. So if I'm a team that needs scoring, you know, if you want to maybe put a little bit of pressure on the, you know, Barzell, maybe if I'm the Islanders, maybe if I'm Columbus, they, they're desperate for goal scoring. You know, why not Detroit? You want to fast forward this rebuild here, put a 30-goal guy in there and teach your young guys what it's like to be a pro. So there's a lot of teams right now that need that scoring. That's why I'm surprised that he hasn't been signed yet. If you're not following this guy on Twitter, you're doing Twitter wrong. At uh, Stu Monroe is the uh, the Twitter handle, S-T-U-M-U-N-R-E. U E got it good. And since you understood, uh, have you got the Gretzky stocking stuffer yet? Uh, the over the, <laughs> over the OVO sweater jacket that you're looking for. Cause it I'm is waiting dope. For, I'm waiting for it. And I did a hot lop around the mall and I saw that exact jacket <laughs> at old Navy. So if you're looking for a bargain there, uh, people out there in TV oh, nice. land, uh, you can get that jacket for about 49 99, but uh, that hoodie's probably going to run you probably <laughs> closer to 100, 120. So, but it's right. great to see the great one <laughs> wearing that Wayne Gretzky's for the kids. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. People <laughs> don't know that Wayne's got swag. Like let's, let's be honest here. Oh, you saw sure. the GWG ads for where, sure. He was showing off, and there's that famous picture of him laying on the ice in a pair of Adidas shorts and and, and uh, sneakers, and only a pair of Adidas shorts. You remember that or one, the, Stewie? Or the uh, one where he's in his pink sweater, looking like Lionel Richie, laying on his side. There, that's that's the classic <laughs> here. But yeah, I don't long. think he needs swag. He just got to drop that platinum card, and that's enough swag you need in these streets. That's for sure, right? <laughs> Stewie, you mentioned you did a lap around the mall. Was that Pacific Mall for the OVO stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the authentic. Yeah, the authentic. Yeah, the authentic OVO. Different, different versions mall, yeah. of it. Different versions of it at Pacific. <laughs> Yeah. Mall is what you're saying. Yeah, it's an OAO. OAO was an upside down view. So. <laughs> November's very own. It's just a little bit of a knockoff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little bit of a knockoff. Uh, Stewie, we, we got to do this more, man. Please stop doing the deep fakes online. You are freaking nah, me the I'm hell out. Like Macau's fine. It's disturbing me greatly. Uh, by the way, any reason I was in the Sting video for Illegal Alien? Was there any any subliminal messages to that? Like, why did you throw me in there before you? Before no, you, you were you, you were just really waiting for Dave Chappelle to come on. So I just thought I I'd entertain you and just get a little <laughs> bit of music to uh, take your mind off the distraction of waiting for Chappelle for forty nine minutes. <laughs> exactly, he knows exactly Buffalo how long it took. Buffalo News was fun, though. I enjoyed the Buffalo. Oh, News. were you Border Patrol or Buffalo News? That's what everyone was asking. Saturday. I was Buffalo you... News, and I, I played in Rochester, so I was used to that news. Hearing that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's snowing. It's cold. Back to you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Be well. Stay well. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. See you. See yeah, those Buffalo News. Sarah, that's where you saw the Fantasy Island commercials. With the that's, fun yeah, off. that's where I normally would see. I haven't watched Pontano, Pontano Wanda News in a while. I haven't watched. The, by the way, Anthony Stewart is one of the funniest dudes. Like me, like two guys I met in the last three years of my life that I put same is Kevin Barker's one. Shout out to yeah. Kevin Barker. Anthony Stewart is he's got a lot going on. <laughs> There's a he's he's a very interesting dude, and he's yeah. funny, and he's played in that league, and he he's got great stories. He knows what it, what's going on in there. Just uh, we got to we got to bring on uh, Stewie a bit more than we do. That's that was fun. Yeah, ho- that was a lot. A of hockey guy with some personality. Crazy. crazy. Time for a break. Crazy. Robbie Ray on the show. Michael Bublé on the show. We are jam packed. And the latest from the NFL. Will they have to expand their playoff system? We'll discuss that next right here on Tim and Sid Sportsnet Radio and TV.
One of my favorite tweets of the opening hour of this show is Martin, who wrote in and said, here's a question. Do you prefer the method of Major League Baseball announcing their award winners in staggered announcements late after the World Series as opposed to all-in-one-day night? I forgot who the finalists are when the winners are announced. Martin, this is also a league that put its Gold Glove Award winner ceremony up against the United States election on Tuesday night. Election ratings took a doing. hit. Election ratings took a hit, Tim. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. Don't get it. You know, know I, and for the record, these all pale in comparison to the, the 2017 CFL Coach of the Year Award being announced in 2019. Let's be honest here, right? <laughs> yes. Like there's one way to do it, and I think the CFL always knew the right way to handle their Coach of the Year Award. Two years MLB just, just teething the CFL's idea. Uh, speaking of football, the New York Jets almost won a football game last night. 6-0 as we left the airwaves yesterday. Look at the Jets on the money line. Look at the Jets on the money line. Was not making line. a definitive statement. Was not making a definitive statement. Was ne- was just nudging. Nudging. It was, it was worth a look. The Patriots had to come back from 10 points down in the fourth quarter to win 30-27, snapping their four-game losing streak. Sid, who was the real winner last night? The Jets. Let's look at Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. Now, we don't know if Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, who most people consider would be the first overall pick in next year's NFL draft if he comes out. Let's, let's, let's assume he comes out. Let's assume he's going to come out here and be part of the NFL world. If you're the Jets, every loss matters. Every loss matters. Adam Gase is not going to be your coach. There's going to be another, there's going to be an overhaul of this organization again. Again. And you need a guy. Cincinnati got it right. They landed the right year. Joe Burrow is going to be that guy. That team has changed. Can Trevor Lawrence be that guy? I don't know if he's as good as Joe Burrow, and his, especially in his LSU final year last year, but he looks pretty damn good if he decides to come out. You, Every loss matters for the Jets. Good night for the Jets last night. You, you do realize that Trevor Lawrence just had a quote yesterday, I believe it was, where he was saying, I'm not saying what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's why I said let's assume he's coming out. That's why, that's why I prefaced it with let's assume. Because do you, he on. may not... You may not. Uh, I know. I know you're making it about you, but let me finish off here. Trevor Lawrence might be saying that because the New York Jets are losing. Is there a possibility that Trevor Lawrence is looking at the NFL, seeing what's happening with the Jets, looking at Adam Gase, seeing Adam Gase's eyes, and going, "I want no part of this." Even if Adam Gase is gone, what about this franchise has been good? Over the last 15 years. Now, you might think that you are good enough to turn that around, and he might be. This guy does everything really well. But I also think that he said that because he looked at the NFL and saw the New York Jets there and said, why would I want to go there? That might be the worst place for a franchise quarterback in New York playing for the Jets. Well, my, my question for all the people who assume he might go back for his final year is yeah. what leads what leads you to believe the Jets won't be in the spot next year? <laughs> what do you see? But he also Honestly. might be pulling an Eric Lindros here. He might. He yeah, might be, he could. Like you haven't seen that in the NFL very often. But he might be saying, "Listen, someone's going to need to trade up here because I'm not going to New York." Tim, I'm surprised you don't see that more in the NFL because that first overall pick has Me a too. long look at what the landscape is. Right, like months, months to go over Me the too. organization, the head coach, all of it. And I'm, I'm just stunned you don't see that more. You may see it this year, but Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure, is being told, be careful if you play your hand this year because you don't get to play the hand next year, and the Jets could be 
You, you have no idea. It might be the same situation. So why don't you just Jets come out now the, and get your money? Jets make the Bengals look good. Um, we only have two minutes left here in the segment, so I'm going to get to this Tom Pelissero tweet that suggested something that we had been hearing over the last little while. The NFL owners have unanimous, unanimously approved a contingency plan to expand the playoff field from 14 to 16 if meaningful games are canceled because of COVID-19, but not reseed them uh, per Roger Goodell. Um, this isn't a contingency planned based on plan B. They're getting there. If what we're seeing in the last three weeks in the NFL and what we're seeing right now in college football, the NFL is going to have to postpone more games. Like they have, they have quietly let guys who are listed as illness and mispractice travel in a plane with the rest of the team to play a game a Raven did it. We've seen it again this week. And then the players on the other team happened to just also test positive. At least one did on the Steelers. So You're I right, think we're going to get this, there. This news, this news is plan C. Plan A yeah. is just ignore it, which is what they've been doing. Plan B is if you have to play like in that extra week where the Pro Bowl might have been, you push everything back. That's plan B. Today's plan C. But there's no evidence to suggest they get they, even to plan B. Zero evidence. Yeah. It's wild, Tim. What the NFL is doing is wild. They're ignoring it. It's crazy. Uh, Michael Buble, that's right. Michael Buble and Robbie <laughs> Ray. Next, and Tim and Next. Sid. It's time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. <laughs> Michael Bublé in about 25 minutes from now. What's he doing on our show? Well, not only is he the co-owner of the Western Hockey League's Vancouver Giants, he is an absolutely massive Vancouver Canucks fan. In fact, he has called himself the Steve Dangle of the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. We will get to Michael Bublé, who has a new line of fragrances coming out at tsc.ca so we will talk to one of the best-selling artists in the world yep a little later yep. on oh, uh, that's now been on snl sorry i already screwed that up he's been he's been on snl guest. he's been on snl numerous right. times is all we need to say you know you're big time when you got a fragrance though <laughs> gustavo chassin yeah michael, michael. buble and some guy and, named jakar there's a guy named jakar, jakar. who's big yeah <laughs> big time one stuff day, Tim, if you were cologne, what, what would it smell like? Well, we'll save that for later. <laughs> okay, because I have, I have some thoughts on how mine would smell like. <laughs> okay, At Tim and Sid, if we had our own colognes, what would it smell like? Um, I smell a, a baseball story uh, coming up next here on Tim and Sid. An important one for the Jays. Robbie Ray is re-signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. One year, $8 million. The first free agent out of all the free agents, nearly 190 this year in Major League Baseball, to ink. Robbie Ray joins us live here on Tim and Sid. Robbie, welcome to the show. Congratulations on the deal. How happy are you that you don't have to think about where you're playing ball next season? Well, you might think about it a little bit. We'll get to that in a second. But in terms of what team you're on, how glad are you that that is done? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited to be back with the Blue Jays. And, uh, yeah, like you said, um, excited to, to kind of have that process over with now. What was it about your experience with the Jays that made you want to re-sign with Toronto? 
You know, honestly, um, it, it was top to bottom. I felt like the organization was great. They welcomed me from day one that I got there, um, you know, from the coaching staff to, to the front office, to the players, to, to the training staff, everybody. They were, you know, I, I honestly, I, I sincerely felt like everybody was on my side. And that was, uh, that's huge as a ball player. What, what, what's wild about this move uh, from my perspective, Robbie, is you really haven't still spent any real time in Toronto yet. Is that, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I haven't. But uh, every time that I've visited the city, I've, I've, I've enjoyed my experience. No doubt. You as many people do. You, you mentioned um, who you worked with and what, what it was like to kind of have people believe in you and make it about you. What, was there something that you saw working with Pete Walker or did you guys find something that maybe you weren't seeing in Arizona that led to a little bit of an improvement when you got to Toronto or at least got to Buffalo? I think honestly it was, it was him just, you know, telling me that he wanted me to go out and he wanted me to pitch and he didn't, he, he said, we'll worry about things later. Uh, we'll talk about things at a later time, but he's like, I just want to see you. I want to see you go out and I want to see you compete. And I think for me, that was one of the biggest things was him just saying, like, look, I, I trust you. Go out there and do it. Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays here on Tim and Sid. How, was that a different message, Robbie, from Pete Walker than you got from and, – and my intention isn't to, to have you criticize any of your previous pitching coaches or managers, but what compare that message from Pete Walker to other messages you'd gotten uh, between 2017 and now. Like, how different was it? Uh, you know – I feel like I feel like most of the pitching coaches that I've had have, have kind of um, given the same message. I felt like uh, maybe last year there was more of a sense of urgency, a sense of not not necessarily panic, but, um, but a little bit of panic uh, that things were starting to go wrong, and I, I could feel that from from everyone. And so that to have Pete come in and say, "Hey, look, I I believe in you. Just go out and compete." That um, was definitely it was encouraging for sure. It sucks as an athlete to hear panic because then you start rethinking what you've been yeah. doing your whole life, no? Right. Yeah, it definitely yeah. does. And especially with uh, kind of the change that I had made, it, it was like, well, crap. Now I feel like I kind of made the, the wrong decision. But, you know, <clears throat> again, Pete was great. He was just uh, super encouraging, and um, I'm looking forward to working with him. I feel like my whole career is attempting to avoid panic at all times. As a guy on radio and sometimes It'll find you. Yeah. Was the one-year deal a bit of a bet on yourself here, Robbie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's no secret the struggles that I had last year. And, and to, to sign a one-year deal to try to, uh, you know, regain some value uh, on myself, betting on myself, uh, that's, that's definitely a, a correct statement. Robbie Ray, Toronto Blue Jays here on Tim and Sid just signed a one-year deal uh, with the Bluebirds to return next season. Robbie, when you did you ask Mark and Ross where you think next season's going to start? Or are they in the dark like the rest of us? You know, our hope, uh, we talked about it, the hope is that we're going to be in Toronto. Uh, we understand that um, a lot of things are out of our control, um, but still very hopeful that we're going to be able to be in Toronto and, and have fans as well. There seem to be some big-name free agents that the Jays are interested in right now. Do you, do you think that the issues with the border might cause a few guys to be hesitant about it? Um, you know, honestly, it may with a few guys, but I don't think it's like going to be that much of an issue with um, with too many people. I mean, it's 
as far as I can tell, it's not going to be that much of an issue. But, you know, some guys might get scared off by it. Well, let's talk about some of those guys um, because, I mean, Robbie, I'm sure you're reading the same stuff in terms of some of the national reporters that we're seeing. And the, the consensus is Jays are going to be aggressive here. Jays feel like there's an opportunity to do some stuff. What's the sense you got talking to Mark and Ross along those lines? I'm sure the, I'm sure the topic came up. How aggressive do you think your team is now going to be over the next couple of weeks and couple of months? I think they're going to be uh, very aggressive. They're going to be in the market for everything, um, and that's great. Um, this team is is where it stands right now, built to win, and just adding more pieces to it is going to going to further that. So I, I think they see where this team is at, and uh, they're looking to to continue to build on that. And I, I feel like they are going to be aggressive. Robbie, you've been around this this league for a little while now. Does the presence of good young players attract other guys to a team, knowing that you might you might be able to play for a team that could be in contention for a while? Yeah, definitely. That's a that is a, a huge factor. I feel like uh, competing uh, is a hundred percent a factor, and this team is going to compete for a, a lot of years. I mean, they got a lot of young players that aren't even uh, arbitration eligible yet. And um, like superstar talent that aren't that isn't even arbitration eligible, so um, it's definitely a factor mm-hmm. in it for sure. Superstar talent, eh? you, you believe it's that 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 good? Excuse me. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Bobichet is is a superstar in the making. Um, I, I said earlier today, Kevin Biggio is one of the best eyes for his age and his experience I've ever seen in the major leagues. Uh, and then Guriel in the outfield and his bat is is impressive. I mean, not to say that other guys aren't as well. I mean, I, no, I hear you. Yeah. Out, uh, yeah. Oscar, uh, Hernandez, that guy is, he was amazing last year to watch him. His at bats. So that was, a that was something special too. But I mean, just to name a few, they were, it was, I mean, it's, it's really amazing. Robbie Ray of the Jays here on Tim and Sid. Before we go off air here, Robbie, they're telling us around six forty-eight Eastern, we're going to learn who wins American League Manager of the Year, and Charlie Montoyo is up for that. Kevin Cash is the favorite, but Charlie is definitely in the discussion. The last year was as bizarre a season for a team as I can remember in any league at any time, given all the circumstances involved with the Jays. You, you walked in the door halfway through, but you saw enough. What was it like being a part of a Charlie Montoyo team? How, how was it from the inside in terms of his handling of the situation? the stress levels involved, keeping everyone in line, keeping the, the, the positivity going. What was it like playing for him? Uh, honestly, it was great. I mean, the the positivity is one of the biggest things, especially when, you, when you're when you playing in a city you're not supposed to be playing in. And I think he he kept that message going throughout the year. No matter, you know, we, we went on a stretch there at the end where we started to lose a little bit, and it was all it was all positivity. And, and he did what he could to keep it loose in the, in the, in the clubhouse. Um, which was which is huge, especially with a young team who uh, not only you know they they need to learn how to win, but also learn how to lose. And I think he he did a good job at, at balancing that. Um, considering you got signed so quickly, and again for those who didn't see it, Robbie was technically the first free agent to sign in this free agency season. Do you automatically also become a quasi assistant GM to Ross? Do you make some calls? Do you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you try and cash in some hookups here? And do you talk to guys about the experience you're seeing, about the team that you were talking about with us in the same vein? Is that, are you doing a little of that right now? I'm definitely open to it. I mean, if I, if I need to make some phone calls, I will. If, I, if we need to 
to get some guys, like take some guys out, play some golf maybe, and uh, uh, <laughs> talk to them a little bit, try to talk them into to coming out and playing for us for sure. Uh, Robbie, it was great catching up with you. Uh, we really appreciate you taking some time and doing this with you. And uh, hopefully next year uh, you're back in Toronto and we can have you in the studio or we can talk to you down at the yard. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. Be well. There is uh, Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays. Did hearing him, listen, I want to talk about Charlie Montoyo and the fact that I think he's going to win the AL Manager of the Year award um, simply because I think it's a great story and that American writers will look at that great story and go, yeah, I'm in on that. They didn't have a home. (laughs) They had a young team and they still made the playoffs. But when he says that Bo Bichette is a superstar in the making, does, does that change your opinion at all on maybe that's and listen francisco lindor is not a, a superstar in the making he is a superstar now he's a superstar now, now. yes does, does that change though your well, thought look, process if, it's an interesting question Bichette part of a trade because the cleveland indians will want a really good player in return uh Again, if you lock up Lindor, I think it's a different conversation. But let, but that's not what you're asking me. I I still believe just so I'm just so I'm very clear on what I'm saying because I didn't say this yesterday. Big picture, I believe Bobachet's the guy. I don't think you need Lindor. I don't think you need Andrelton Simmons. Well, I mean, if he's playing a different position, get him. But I I. Love me some Bo Bichette the way Robbie Ray loves him some Bo Bichette. I completely agree with everything he said. I don't think you need to do that. There are way other bigger moves across the diamond or in the rotation. Pitchers, center fielders. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That can definitely improve the team just as much, if not more. I think the way those two games went for Bo in Tampa, and not just for him, but for a lot of other younger guys, that was a hell of a lesson. And the one thing I've, I've seen from this group, is it's a smart young group. They're quick studies, as they say. I think they're going to be better because of it. I think Bo's the future, and I don't. I would not trade him. Nor would I bring in a guy to replace him and move him to second or third. I, I would keep him right where he is. He was leading the American League in hitting, I'll say it again, at the time of his injury last season. He was not the same player after, and I understand. He was in a rhythm, and he got busted up. I think, I think Bo's the guy. I do think Bo's the guy. Now, again, all the rumors you and I, Tim, have seen over the last 72 hours are fascinating beyond belief. Um, but if but if it were me, Bo's the dude. I wouldn't move him, wouldn't touch him. Cornerstone guy. Cornerstone guy. So you're just suggesting in the last two days that Cleveland might ask for him. Oh, I mean, they'd be stupid not to. Right. Like, you're not doing your job if you don't ask for Bo Bichette. Like you should be fired. <laughs> you you have to ask for Bo Bichette, especially if you got if you if you catch wind of some long term deal, which is the all, the guarantee the Jays need. Like you can then I think you can then ask for him. Would they give you Would they give you Bo Bichette? Not saying that. I'm saying the ask would definitely be there. If you're Cleveland, you have to. You have to at least right. ask. Just trying to clarify. Uh, yeah, yeah. So do you agree with my assertion that? Charlie Montoyo might be the winner of the oh, AL Manager of the Year when we finish this show at, uh, I think, 6.48 Eastern time. Let's remember when the votes were cast, right? Right after the regular season. Because if you like great stories, if the vote was a little later, have Kevin Cash 
being cast a villain by the entire sporting world in game six, pulling yeah. Blake Snell. Have him walk away with manager of the year. Now, Tim, I love I listen, I, I'm with you. I think Charlie Montoyo should win the award today. Kevin Cash went forty and twenty. He lost eight pitchers, and he had the third lowest payroll in baseball. It's a crazy situation he had to deal with as well. Now, they had a home, which the Jays did not, so point to Charlie. (laughs) That's a huge point to Charlie, in my opinion. Uh, But you're going to get writers who look at what Kevin Cash did in that moment and go, wow. And when that playoff started as a number one seed, you know, some people were getting on the bandwagon. They They were the niche pick. They were the niche pick. So... I, I think I think if Charlie wins, it'll be close. Well, the beauty is we'll find out before we leave air tonight, which is great. It'll be close vote, I think, Timmy. I would I would think Charlie gets it, but I wouldn't be stunned if it just went the other way. I'm getting used to close votes. I'm, I'm used I to it be, now. I wouldn't nice be stunned. Race. I wouldn't be stunned either. I just I wonder yeah. if that story might be hard to resist for people who write yeah, stories. Could be. Uh, you left out Rick Renteria. I left out Rick Renteria. Uh, he was also left out by the White Sox, who fired him <laughs> and replaced him with Tony Larusa, who we found out today was charged with a DUI in Arizona the day before he was hired by the White Sox, and that the White Sox knew that he had been charged with a DUI in Arizona the day before they hired him, and still hired him. What do you make of what was already? a weird hire and this news from Jeff Passan. Um, there's, there's two things. Uh, one, the, the quotes that are coming out of the police report reported by Jeff Passan and ESPN. I got so, it. Do you want to hit me, hit me, hit me with the good stuff because slightly inebriated Tony La Russa, uh, as dangerous as he was behind a wheel also kind of made me laugh in some of what he said. So it, it wasn't Ed Belfour, I'll give you a billion dollars, but it was, uh, it was close. Go ahead, Tim. <laughs> Eddie Belfour telling Dallas cops after being hit with a DUI that he'll go from $100,000 to $1 billion is the gold dollars. standard. Don't I would, just don't tell him I'll give you a billion dollars. Just don't tell anybody. I'll give Sorry, you a billion dollars. How much? How much? <laughs> a, a $1 billion. dollars. <laughs> Uh, so Tony Larusa apparently said to the arresting officer, at least this is in the report, did you see my ring? I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. <laughs> he throws a Hulk Hogan brother in at the end. Well, let me tell you, Arizona PD, <laughs> I was a Hall of Famer. I, I managed the A's. I went to St. Louis. Woo! I got the rings, brother. I got the... Uh, you can't keep my gators down. I'm, what's the quote again? I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. That's yeah. from Tony La Russa. Yeah, I'm okay. a Hall of Famer baseball person. So that's, so you didn't, you didn't want A.J. Hinch, just so we're clear. A.J. Well, Hinch, you didn't want. They didn't want They him. did. They well, did. What, they GM had... wanted him. Jerry Reinsdorf yeah. didn't. Correct. Jerry Reinsdorf didn't. Correct. Um, so, and that's why... So, so, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying the, the Derry Reinsworth didn't want him. So AJ Hinch now goes to Detroit. Tim, you know full well, you and I both know how good the writers are nationally in baseball. Never mind the local guys in Chicago. Mm-hmm. There are some amazing writers right now who are convinced this is not the only thing with Tony LaRussa out there over the last year. They're convinced. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you this if another thing pops up, the White Sox might have to think about this. Listen, 
I, I said this last week when you weren't here. In sports, we know talent is usually forgiven. I mean, Antonio Brown played this week. So did Adrian Peterson. Uh, you can go back. You can go different times, different sports, wherever you want. Craig McTavish lived through it. I don't know how great their stories are, but it speaks to the power of the news cycle and recency bias, how we jump all over these things. I firmly believe in second chances. Some of the world's greatest redemption stories, they're redemption stories. They start with a massive mess up. How many movies begin with the mistake and then someone realizing the errors in their ways? I say all that to say Tony Larusa at 76 probably shouldn't be the manager of the Chicago White Sox. I don't believe in cancel culture. I think that if someone, I believe in accountability, and if someone screws up, hold them accountable, and if they're willing to change their ways, let them. Tony LaRussa seems to me like he's stuck in 1982. Like, let's go through the list of things that he's done, right? Like, the two DUIs. Jack McDowell said the White Sox stole signs from a center field camera in his first go-around with the White Sox. I'm sure he had no idea that Bash Brothers were forcing a generation of home run hitters to stuff needles in their ass. Like, come, how, much of a, how much of a road record do we have to have on Tony Larusa before we say, man, maybe this doesn't work. Like, to me, the Reinsdorf thing speaks to why the White Sox have sucked for three decades. And I know they won a World Series in 2005. I realize that. And they haven't won a series since. Like, and they have been gifted with a very talented young roster that you thought were going the right way. And then they bring in LaRusa at 76, who seems like he's the opposite of what they're doing there. I don't get it. And I have a feeling that it might end up being we all don't get it. And he's gone. I'm glad you mentioned, because you started that off by saying, I believe in second chances. I'm glad you followed up with the, the fact that it was a second DUI that we're talking about. I, I appreciate you saying that. Well, no, but there's, I believe, I believe firmly in second chances. We're on no, five, you do. You six, do. seven. But this is not a second chance. This, this is, is not the one. Different, this is a different chance. Yeah, don't play Tim, that the, card here. The, Tim, the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm looking at today, and you know, listen, I've, I've, uh, I'm not Marcus Stroman's biggest fan, as you know. Um, but there was a Twitter exchange he had today, I believe, with Keith Law. Uh, and, and Marcus Stroman, who is a free agent and is sought after because he puts up numbers, uh, made it pretty clear that he's, he wouldn't sign on a Tony La Russa team. You know, c considering the White Sox are looking to make a push here, Tim, you got to wonder what a tipping point moment could be in this hire. And if they start catching wind, people just don't want to play for Tony La Russa, That's a problem. Yeah. That's as big. If you're Jerry Reinsdorf, that's, that's as big a problem as any of the other indiscretions that you brought up. Because how do you make your team better? What's, what's, what, what PR is this for your club? Now, Jerry Reinsworth made the hire, and they knew about it before announcing it, so maybe he doesn't care about what the PR is for his club because the charges were filed in Arizona October 28th, and they announced it October 29th. Maybe he doesn't care. But if, if you're not going to sign dudes to add to this, as you said, pretty talented young roster who might have uh, Jose Abreu be an MVP here in, in the coming days, if you don't have guys who are willing to sign because of this guy, you got an issue. you got a real issue. Maybe that's when they look at it. You asked uh, what Tim and Sid's cologne would smell like, or Tim or Sid's cologne <laughs> would smell like. Joshua Almeida writes in and said, Sixeros would smell like hair gel and cheeseburgers, and McAuliffe's would smell like Barbasol and a Twix bar. Why would I use Barbasol 
But the Barbasol Twix combo is not the worst combo I've ever heard. No. Actually, like smell of that Barbasol stuff. Oh, yeah, it's not bad, bad actually. It's like a compliment. Uh, Bacardio, who I, whose Twitter handle I love, Bacardio writes in and says, if Sintixero had a cologne, it would smell like gravy. Simple to the point and fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Palmer writes in and says, Aqua Sixero, hashtag the Sid scent, bacon. <laughs> Again, I think simple. Anthony, Anthony Stewart's working on the meme right now for it. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, do I sing for Michael Bublé? Like, I've always don't, thought that I had the chops to... Did, don't I do mean, that. One of the He's greatest. Not working technically. No, don't. No. Come on. No. Let's not be like that I'm, show. Hey, you're I'm, a singer all the time. But a pop, 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 buble. Don't do that. Don't do that. We're better. Than you, that. you just did it. <laughs> not, not with him. I did it with you. Well, he might be watching the commercial break. I uh, could be. Could be. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Who knows? So I won't sing, but you will. All right, we'll take I, the break. I, I'm not going to sing. When I'm we come back. Sing. One of the world's largest Canucks fans and also one of the world's largest recording artists. Michael Buble joins us next on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet, radio and television. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Tim and Sid on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, coming up in our next segment, final one of the show, is it the greatest golf shot of all time? Can you have the greatest golf shot of all time, not in competition? We'll talk about what happened at the Masters today and a little bit about the actual tournament starting Thursday, rare mm-hmm. November start. We'll get our Masters on and green jacket on coming up in just a few moments here, Timmy, on Tim and Sid. And what would you serve at your Masters champions dinner? Sid Sixero will chew on that. But in the meantime, our next guest has had himself a eh, decent career out of Burnaby. He sold over 40 million albums worldwide. He is the third highest grossing Canadian music artist ever behind Celine Dion and Shania Twain. Not bad. He's also not just a great voice or a pretty face. He's also a lifelong diehard Canucks fan. The guy's been around Saturday Night Live. He's part owner of the WHL's Vancouver Giants. Like us, he's uh, pretty well-rounded. He's in the Canadian uh, Walk of Fame. We're not. Other than that, okay. we basically have had the same careers. The one and only Michael Buble joining yes, us sir. here on this edition of Tim and Sid. Mike, it's great to talk to you. We're going to get to the Canucks. We're going to get to today's shopping choice and what you're doing with them here in a second. But I, I mentioned this before we jumped on here. I think it's worth repeating uh, for the uh, listening audience. There is a Christmas tree behind Michael Buble as he's sitting and Zooming with us is, are you contractually obligated to have Christmas paraphernalia up during most interviews? Or is this just something you do? No, it just moves with me wherever I go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, it just is always there. Sometimes it just pops up. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> no, I was doing I was doing some, uh, I, I did a duet with Dolly Parton for uh, a Christmas thing. And so they were, I was doing some press. So it was uh, set up behind me. But um when you guys were talking about all of the stuff that I've done and been a part of, um, I, I think you guys don't realize that this is actually the best day of my career because what? being on your show means more Come than on. any SNL. It means what? more than any you are. What are you? And it means more than the, the 40 million records that you said I sold, which is not right. But okay. who's counting <laughs> 63 million? I mean... <laughs> It doesn't matter. Just numbers, Mike. Just numbers. 
cares? <laughs> 60. I'm sorry. Wikipedia has failed me again, Buble. They fail me all the time. Oh. You know, oh. Mike, you can update that if you want. You could physically oh. go on Wikipedia. Yeah, not that you're not do. busy or anything, yeah. but. I've died a few times on Wikipedia, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia is a sketchy thing. Listen. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the Dolly Parton thing because this amazes me. And I listen, we're going to talk about a bunch of things here. And we got you because of the new Michael Buble fragrances that are launching at TSC today. Go to tsc.ca to learn more about the perfume. And if you think that this guy doesn't know anything about sense or sensuality or sexy, consider this. I was reading about the duet that you did with Dolly Parton called Cuddle Up, Cozy Down Christmas. And mm -hmm. she said that it was written for her nieces and nephews. Dolly Parton said that you made it sexy. You. Oh. Never mind working with Dolly Parton. Oh. What the hell does it mean to hear Dolly Parton say, Dolly Parton, say that you made it sexy? Well, it's a, a fantasy come true. I think most people know uh, I have a deep attraction to mature ladies. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you guys hear something really funny? We did an interview and... Uh, they said to her, so how did you guys, how did you guys talk about this record if you couldn't be together? And uh, she said, well, you know, she said, we called each other and we talked. And she said, sometimes we even fax each other the, the ideas. <laughs> I swear to God, she said it. And I thought, she really doesn't. She really, she's actually faxing. Carrier pigeon, like you guys communicated through all types of, <laughs> of ways. <laughs> how does that, Mike, sorry, just because, because I'm a, uh, we geek out on this kind of stuff. So you record like 800 miles away she records 800 miles away you got the duet like in a pandemic how does how does a duet work that's basically yeah. how it works it's basically how it works it's like they they she she sent me a letter what was weird is she sent me a letter and i didn't even listen to the song i just i replied yes wow because i'm she's amazing i mean yeah. honestly all jokes aside she's like that's a she's like a hero of the industry great writer great yeah. person great you know great at everything so I didn't even I didn't even listen. Then once I listened, I was glad it was good. Um, I would put you in the squad if it wasn't. Was <laughs> weirdly, I was watching uh, the uh, the first round robin thing. I think it was nice. about that time, and it was hot in Vancouver. And I was very nervous for my Canucks, and uh, and I was sitting there singing this song with her. And we go back and forth and stuff, and talk about stuff, and go on Zoom and stuff. So it's weird. Like that's how everything is now, anyway. So it yeah. felt yeah. pretty organic. Um, you can uh, you can listen to that duet. Uh, Mike's got a playlist out, and it's already burning up Apple Music and Spotify, and you you name the streaming service. Christmas at Home playlist from Michael Bublé. It's already out. You can check the new track and all of his classics. Uh, please go ahead and do that. You mentioned the Canucks. That's the segue. So let's get into the Canucks here. Uh, I, you have been characterized as the Steve Dangle of Canucks Nation. <laughs> is, I, love I believe Steve David Dangle Amber too. earlier this year of Hockey Night in Canada gave you that while you were on uh, a viewing party with Dangle. Is that a fair depiction of your fandom for the Canucks? Is it even greater than Dangle? Is it not as much? Did you think it was a fair comparison? Your thoughts on that? I feel like in reality, I yell more than Dangle does. Wow. And that's something. Because wow. if you could see me at home with my seven-year-old son going, <laughs> I just lose my, my mind. You know what I mean? Um, it's painful being a Canucks fan. It's a deep, it's a, and it's abusive relationship. It's an abusive relationship that I just keep. I won't do it again. There's no way you're going to hurt me again. I don't care what you say. And then all of a sudden it happens. And I say like, oh, 
I love you. And I'm back. <laughs> and then I just do it again. They come and destroy and rip out my heart again. This year, you know how close the Vancouver, I mean, you know, it was close this year. It really was close. You were Thatcher Demko and another player away from getting to that next round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a Canuck fan to watch that onslaught on one human being, you must have been like, you must have had material to write a song about. Like I couldn't imagine your emotions. You know, what's getting weirder too is getting to know the dudes and getting to know some of the players and yeah. the coach. And, and then it hurts even more because now it's, you, you know what I mean? Now you, you really hurt personally for these people that are, you know, you have your fr friendships with in your life. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think we, the Leafs fans and Canucks fans are very similar right now in that we have so much to look forward to. And even though it hurts and it sucks, you know, as a fan, you live on that potential. You know what I mean? Yeah. The potential. You can see there's a great young core. The Leafs have this incredible young core. And it's like, you're, you know, you feel like oh, we're just a couple pieces away here. We're a couple pieces away and a couple bounces away. It's so much better than when you know that you're a year into the four-year rebuild and it's just, it just sucks, you know. So, so we've heard stories about Adele's uh, heartbreak leading to her wonderful songwriting. Do, are the Canucks your heart? Like, is that, is that what you just told us? <laughs> that the Vancouver Canucks have provided the soul for your heartbreak? Oh, man. You know, <laughs> there's been some definite, there's, there's, uh, there's a bitterness there too, you know? Right. There really is. There's this like, you know, I have found myself, uh, I have found myself saying things like I sound like one of those nutcases will be watching the game with my friends and I'll go, they, they got the referees got it out for us tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot, Batman. You know, something like that. Thanks a lot, Gary. You definitely don't want to see the Canucks in the Stanley Cup. You want to see Las Vegas. And you know it coming out of your mouth that it's incredibly stupid. It's BS. But you still find yourself immaturely and bitterly saying these things. You know what I mean? Okay, so, so then let me ask you this. So you joined for Game 7, 2011, Western Conference quarterfinals, getting over the Hawks and Chelsea Dagger and putting that in the back. Like, is that, is that the height of your Canucks fandom? Like, and I have a soft spot for Vancouver. Like, I mm -hmm. honestly do. I like the team they've built, and I know that not winning for that long really hurt. In fact, they get mad when American teams win for this sole reason, that there are teams in Canada whose fan bases feel like Michael Buble who yeah. care that much. So is that yeah. the height? Is game seven when you finally killed Chelsea Dagger, is that your height of fandom? Is that the good time? Weirdly, weirdly, no. I think the greatest day that I ever had as a Canuck fan, the most emotional I ever was, believe it or not, was, was the last game of the season. And I believe Daniel Sedin, I believe, was about three points away from becoming the scoring leader that year. And uh, they had a game against Calgary. And it was like, you know, you wanted it for him, but there was no way the guy was going to get three, four points to, to go ahead. I think it was, was it Henrik that that night was going to break it? Anyway, these two brothers Henrik won a title. Henrik won the title that year. Yeah. And that night, Daniel, you could just tell that it was bigger than hockey. It, it wasn't about hockey. It was about how much this dude loved his brother and this, this, and, and they're the most competitive, you know, there's a sibling rivalry there. But this man wanted his brother to get that record, and no one was going to stop them. No one. I mean, it was it was one of the most magic things. It was way beyond hockey for me. It was it was it was goosebump inducing because of that familiar 
love. And it was like you, and it, you watched it happen. And they got a point, you got another point. You felt like, oh my God, he's doing this. We tied it up. And then they got that, they had that play where uh, the, the shot came from the point and, and uh, Daniel deflected the puck through his legs. Henrik picked it up, walked in the left side of the net, pulled the puck back through his legs and did the behind the, you know, between the legs shot in. And they came and held each other. And dude, I remember sitting at my, uh, standing in front of the TV my you know above my chimney or whatever and i just bawled like a baby i just cried and i thought this this is the greatest moment in my life as a connect fan it had nothing to do with winning a cup or losing a cup it was it was more about that the connection of those those, those dudes and i was such a fan of those guys because they were such class acts and it felt like the good guy never won and they got beat around and they were always called this and that and it was like no no, these are not, these are tough dudes. These are good dudes. They deserve to be, you know, in the hall of fame and they deserve to be. T- <sighs> <laughs> Just right, right in your soul. Just Four got assists. your, right you in your gut. Seven, three wins. You, you ever had a moment like that? Yeah. Your team, like, what was that moment for you? For me? I mean, I, I, I remember when Portugal played Greece in the soccer game once. Yeah. For European title. Yep. I thought that was going Portugal's way, and then it didn't, and then it didn't. But whatever, I'm over it. We had a moment on national TV when the women's national hockey team uh, won a gold medal, and Sixero threw a pen at the camera and said, uh, "Gold medal in your face," uh, because we were just <laughs> watching because we were just watching the game like everybody else. So uh, yes, yeah, we have had that moment on national TV. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. It's got to be impossible to like check yourself and not be human during that time. <laughs> For one time on air, as Tim said, I, we couldn't. We couldn't. Yeah. For one time, we, we weren't going to be. We're, we're pretty good about it. Um, uh, I, I'm, uh, listen, Michael, we, we could we could talk for a while here, but you're a busy man, and we, we only got about 90 seconds left. Today's shopping choice, your fragrances are all over the place, not just for men, for women. Talk, talk about what exactly people can expect from it, and do any of the fragrances, male or female, smell like you? I think they smell like things I like. I think there's, there's a nice mix of stuff. Uh, you know, I can't come on my favorite show and talk like in depth about about fragrance. I can't. What I can tell you is, I just hope to make the world a little less stinky. <laughs> Again, we all could use a little bit of that right now, Mike. I that think is a, a good thing. That is a solid goal in the yeah. world. Make oh, the world Merry a little Christmas, less stinky. <laughs> Go to tsc.ca and make the world a little less stinky. I like you it. know the fragrance. My partners in the fragrance are gonna just love that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bublé, the one and only, Aaron Timmonson. Mike, God bless. Take care, man. God bless. Yeah, Take care. Thank you. That did was nice. Say, um, <laughs> I just um, just as as we say goodbye to him. Did he say it was his favorite show? Favorite show. No, yeah. Just, um, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I heard it, but I th- I thought he followed with like unquestionably, no others come close. Maybe I just imagine it. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just heard some things, but he did say favorite show, which was kind of cool. That no, nice. I just I've I've always known that Michael Bublé had taste, and it was <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it was it was confirmed. Uh, and I and I do. I, I'm not I'm not blowing smoke up his rear end in return. I think that should be the line. Make the world like this should be the what do you call it a tagline for? Uh, it's not a, called a tagline in. When you have an advertising and they give you that line at the end, it's not a catchphrase, it's a tagline, but make the world a little less stinky. 
Like that should be the blue blade tagline, whatever you call it. What do you call it? I don't know what you call it. I don't know. I thought. Uh, see, see, now you're throwing me for a loop. Tagline? I thought it was tagline or catchphrase. Now I'm like, I didn't. Everything I thought I knew was true in this world has got matrixed on me. I took the blue pill. Maybe I don't know I'm what's just real. so thrown off by Buble saying that it was his favorite show. Uh, that I, <laughs> but make the world a little less stinky. I think that's the line. Yeah, I think that's the motto. That should be the motto. Um, thank you again to Michael Buble. That was cool. And uh, and if you needed any more proof that Canuck fans are probably some of the most passionate in the country uh michael buble is is evidence that that is the case we uh we're gonna step aside sorry Timmy, he was he in? was back no i'm just gonna say like i'm just i'm kind of soaking this in like he was he was near tears talking about that night awesome. in 2010 yeah yeah mantra like he was I'm just as emotional him. now mantra is the term you're looking for so no, says the Tim slogan it's, it's, slogan no not mantra slogan it is slogan slogan, slogan. Okay. Slogan. An well, advertising slogan. Make the make world, the a, little world a little less stinky. Frank and Cody both got me on Twitter. <laughs> um, coming up after the break, Tim sees you. Uh, hopefully what we'll get is is maybe an American League Manager of the Year for the Toronto Blue Jays, Tim. I don't know. We'll find out at 648 Eastern. Charlie Montoyo is in the final three. We'll let you know what happens there. And also... Did John Rahm pull off the greatest golf shot in history during a practice round today at Augusta? Or was he just messing around and it wasn't that big a deal? We'll discuss next. Tim and Sid, live on TV and radio. Slogan Sandra, Jeff, Colton, Renee. There. <laughs> We're waiting on Major League Baseball to announce their AL manager, I was going to say rookie, manager of the year. NL has already been named. They were a little late on that. Don Mattingly and the story that was the Florida Marlins won the AL. Obviously. uh, Excuse me. Won the NL uh, manager of the year. We're waiting on the AL. And, of course, Charlie Montoyo is among those nominated for it. Um, When it becomes available to us, we will definitely pass it along. But it is a week unlike any other, Sidney. It is Masters Week. And, of course, uh, we say that on November the 10th. Here in 2020, as Tiger will host the Champions Dinner tonight. On the menu, chicken, steak fajitas, sushi, sashimi, and milkshakes. Because as we all know, the milkshakes bring the boys to the yard. Overrated, Tim, with the milkshakes. Milkshakes are overrated, man. Too thick. Too thick. (laughs) Give you a head freeze. Not good, man. Do you like ice cream? Milkshakes are overrated. Yeah, I, I like ice cream, but I can eat it in moderation. Like, it's just, the milkshake is just too much. It's too much, even for me. I strongly disagree with that take, but I want to get to the other stuff in this moment. So <laughs> you're, you're dying to respond. You, know, <laughs> you want so to, and you just can't. I ahead, am go so ahead. dying. So there's a tradition unlike any other at the Masters. There are traditions unlike any others at the Masters. One of them is something that started in 1987 in a practice round of trying to skip a ball across par three. And when I say skip a ball, I mean across the water at a par three. Arnold Palmer once taped a video where he showed himself skipping it across the water onto the green. And uh, Mark Kalkovecchia and Ken Green decided they would try and match that in practice rounds. And so today, um, John Rahm hit maybe the greatest shot you will ever see. And listen, there are others who have aced this shot across the water. VJ is the first to have done it in 2009. 
but Rom had about four skips off the water, rolled it up on the green, and he read the green perfectly because where he started the ball on the water, and I don't know that you could ever estimate where it's going to go once you're skipping oh it. God. But but Rom Rom skips it across the water. Reads the green, it rolls up and in for an ace. It is one of the greatest shots oh. I've ever seen in my life. Now, does practice round negate it? You're obviously not going to try that in competitive golf, but it does it lessen Tim a little bit. It's like a dunk, like it's like a dunk contest dunk compared to like Frederick Vies, right? Like this, and I've heard you, I've, yeah, I've no, heard Tim McCall is... go down this road a lot. I think it's a valid, valid point. Do you look at this in the same vein? No, but what we just saw was. Vince Carter in the dunk competition. What John Rahm yeah, just did. Agreed. Like, it's the greatest dunk that you've ever seen in a dunk competition. And he's, for, well, at 170 out, right? This isn't some 130. This is, this is, uh, this is 16 in Augusta. This is, this is a tester. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible what he just did. And it's just it's phenomenal in every, every single way. I thought you were going to ask me what my dinner would be. Also for the uh, for the Masters. Well, I uh, wanted to get to the the four Canadians in the field because Mike Weir, Adam Hadwin, Corey Connors, Nick Taylor, all in the field. That is significant. And yeah. they all practiced together today, which was a great That's moment. Awesome. And I don't know if you heard this, but Nick Taylor uh, spoke to Dan Murphy on on Sportsnet in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and he the, just the quote got me. I Facetime my dad, brother, and mom just for them to experience it. And you forget with no fans and guys who don't know how many times they're going to be at this tournament to experience what is Augusta. And when I saw the quote about Nick Taylor FaceTiming his dad, his brother, and his mom, I thought it was worth passing along because it is. Like, it's just, it's great that there's four Canadians there. It's great that they all practice together. And Abbotsford gets a, a, a special shout-out, no doubt, as this is turning into quickly a BC show, as Burnaby gets the love with Buble and Abbotsford gets the love from Augusta. But to hear Nick Taylor say that, I just it, it kind of struck a chord with me, that these guys might not get there a lot and that they didn't get their family and friends to get that inside-the-ropes tour. Tim, it's, it's funny you say that. The guys walking the course the last couple of days, Augusta, I know we've seen no fans and ropes at tournaments throughout the year. There's no ropes. Like, there's, like the whole look of it is going to be completely different, completely bizarre. And, and that, that, that Nick Taylor story is a great story to me. And, it's, and, it's, and you're hearing other stories throughout the week of what this means to people, obviously. And it's good that we have these stories now because, Tim, I, I took a look at the weather forecast. It's going to suck. In Augusta, Georgia, starting Thursday. I'm not kidding. Like I, yeah. I and and the sunset. I mean, they compared. I saw a board the other day. They compared sunsets in April and Augusta to now. I mean, it would be 8:30 local in April, and they're going to get to about 5:30 right now. Right. So your 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 margin for error has shrunk considerably, obviously, because of the time of year. This is not going to be easy to get in, and we all love the Masters like that, but. I, I just hope Mother Nature gives them a little bit of a break, and it's not what they're calling for. Because what they're calling for sucks, and I'm not going to I'm not going to going to see the the, the Bryson DeChambeau three twenty four drives, and the fairways are going to be wet. I'm not you're not going to see that. So hopefully they can get it. Three eighty four drives. Um, I want you to save. Listen, we might get it till Tuesday, and it would be awesome. I want you to okay. save your your dinner for a little bit. We have a 2020 AL Manager of the Year. 
Okay. Uh, MLB has announced it, and it is indeed Kevin Cash mm. of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Charlie Montoyo finishes third in the voting behind Rick what? Renteria. What? Uh, that's is a mistake. That? But whatever. What the, what the hell is that about? The White Sox got to play at home. Really? Rick Renteria? Over Charlie Montoyo? They went to Florida, back sequestered at Rogers Center. Three minutes before the season starts, they're told to leave Canada and figure it out for themselves. Nobody pisses and moans and complains. They had injuries up the wazoo. Yes, I said wazoo. I understand that. That's my slogan, up the wazoo. And they figured it out. <laughs> they had to make a bunch of deals. Patchwork it. Bo Bichette got hurt. He was leading the AL in hitting. Rick Rizria ahead of Charlie Montoya? Stupidity. Absolute stupidity. But nice job, Charlie. Uh, almost as stupid as your take on milkshakes. Um, instead, what would you have as your <laughs> champion's dinner? The the um, was it beef beef fajitas? You said steak fajitas? No, it's chicken steak fajitas. I'll sushi, take them both. Keep them there. Sashimi and milkshakes. And when I think sushi, I think milkshakes. But whatever, <laughs> it's a great combination. You'll pay mm -hmm. for it an hour and a half later, but it's a great combination. Keep keep the fajitas. Tr get everything else out of there. Keep the fajitas. Love, love right. me some fajitas. Right. A little uh, miso soup to start. We're going to stick Japanese. A little miso soup. Right. This is warm. It's lovely. It's tasty. Um, then give me some... Uh, what's, the, what's the... They look like French fries in Italian. Polenta or polmenta? Do you know polenta. that? Like, polenta. Give me some polenta. Yeah. Thank you, Tim, for that. Um, chicken parm. Chicken parm with the fajitas. We go double main course. Uh huh. Follow that up with some nice cheesecake, chocolate cheesecake. Don't tell you. Tell me you like cheesecake. No, don't look. Don't cheesecake. give me that look. Okay, good. But it's chocolate's the worst kind of cheesecake there is. And if you want it at the end, a milkshake, make it an option. Because <laughs> I'm in the minority here, and everyone loves milkshakes. So have milkshakes. Oh, look at Sixero uh, bowing to the around. peer pressure that is milkshakes. I've never seen this pressure. from you before. What is so going time. on? Well, uh, we've never seen a lot on this show, Timmy. Well, we're going to leave you. We normally say wash your hands, which you should. We're going to leave you with Michael Buble telling us who his favorite show is, Tim. I don't know if you remember this from our interview. Oh, nice. You know, I can't come on my favorite show and talk like in depth about, about fragrance. I can't. What I can tell you is I just hope to make the world a little less stinky. <laughs>